uh, it's the world's first and only safe, ready chilled instant body and face cooling spray. It says, it, it, says it, it says a unique spray successfully right. formulated by scientists, so it's bound to be good. It's <laughs> always cool, even in the hottest weather. Right. Your very own air conditioner in a can, it says. Oh, right. Is it, is it, is it good? I mean, it's not really helping that much, but I mean, right. I'm hoping yeah. for like some sort of placebo effect. I last year I did have a, a water spray, like a really nice water spray that I uh, used, but I didn't have any. I don't think it was, I think it was just water. It hadn't got scientists hadn't been involved. Are you are, all, you, know? are you near the water in terms of geography? Yeah, yeah. Does yeah. that help? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it makes yeah. a big difference. Like last year, I remember last year being in London last summer and that hottest day ever. Yeah, and uh, that was. Um, that was just full on water spray. But if I'd known about Magical, then could have, <laughs> could have been a game changer. Could, could have been a game changer. Although what we have learned that, like scientists, I wonder, like you know, we've we've we've, we've come across we've come across so many scientists now during coronavirus, like good scientists, bad scientists. Yeah. Like you know, you want to uh, you want to do a little bit more now and just say scientists. Yeah. Because you're like you know, they have you know, has this more what theory? does that mean anymore? Yeah, yeah. Where do they stand on herd yeah. immunity? You know? Exactly. You could have like that mad bastard Sweden scientist who sort of says, "Yeah, just go out and kiss people." Yeah, yeah. That you that you've never met. Yeah, exactly. Or like Trump's doctor, you know that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a scientist. Type of scientist. <laughs> I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation tomorrow, bro. People's lives are at risk. Oli Gunnar, where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. We'll take it as a yes then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, have a bad shave. Hello, comrades, and you're very welcome. The football spin. Um, it's Wednesday night football spin. A lot of football tonight on Wednesday nights. Kickoff six o'clock, eight fifteen, and we've just watched uh, Liverpool. I'll get to them in a moment. I should mention that it's Paddy McKenna, Dion Fanning, uh, Nouradine Chowdhury, and also Ruben Pinder, who probably isn't as uh, cheerful as he was a couple of evenings ago. You're out, Pind- uh, Ruben, after watching that. Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. As soon as Wilf went off after 15 minutes, I, I knew that was what was going to happen. Um, mm. Inevitable. Yeah, not, yeah, you're right, though. Not as cheery as I was at the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll come to Palace in a moment. Uh, Dion, um, I, I have to say, you know, watching Liverpool on, on the cusp of greatness, um, just uh, potentially a game away from the Premier League title, all but in the bag. My mind goes back to the time when I boldly put my neck on the line and said Liverpool would be the champions of that the was Premier League. that was brave that and was somebody poo-pooed my uh yeah when was that my Sun- bold prediction Sun- Sunday you made that it's prediction on on Sunday was it uh um yeah no that that's you you deserve to it's good that you're uh you know referencing that you you should, you should like retweet it. if you tweeted it you could retweet it now you know <laughs> with the date like 22nd of June 2020. I made the big call. Never afraid to make the big calls. Liverpool, 22 points clear, and they will win the league. Yeah, it's well, one. They still need one win. I think they, it could happen uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, I think it's um, like I think City. Oh, well, the City have been so good, but I think maybe this is uh, 
that that performance from Liverpool, like you know, I I there was after the Everton game, and I suppose because of the three month break, you might have, there might have been some like faint hope that maybe like Liverpool could just come out and kind of just be just crash, like not have any of the of the of the drive and energy and flair that they had for most of the season. Um, but and that might have and like City have been so impressive since they've come back. But I think that performance tonight, the manner of it, uh, is kind of just says right. This is Liverpool that that Liverpool had that had run away with the title, and it is now inevitable. And it you know could happen against City next week, but perhaps it'll be uh, you know having spent so long worrying about where Liverpool would win the title and would they have to move it to a neutral ground Liverpool might not even be playing when they win the title for the first time in 30 years um Nods, you spent a lot of last season or was it this season I can't remember jin- trying manfully to jinx Liverpool's title um win by you know talking about the fact it's in the bag Get the bus booked. Oh, you haven't even, you haven't bothered this time. That's that's how foregone this conclusion really has been. Yeah, I mean it's. A, I mean, what is jinxing? Like really? Like like what? What difference can one man make? Even even <laughs> even a man such as I. But I mean, it's it, it was it was mainly to goad Liverpool fans because like <laughs> sure, obviously there's there's nothing worse than sort of like because because when when United were sort of winning the league every every year or whatever. I I never sort of thought it was in the bag until it was, and and anything that anyone who assumed it was, they used to really piss me off. So obviously, like I'd be like, oh yeah, it's 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 inevitable now. Oh, we might as well. You don't even need to bother with this game, and 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 get the get the get the open top bus ready and everything. But I mean, it's it, they've just been so relentless. But I that mean, worked, by the way. You did, you did, you you succeeded last season. Well, I mean, it, it's, it's not for me to say; it's for other people to say. But <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't possibly, but but I mean, it's it's we, there was a, there was a little bit of hope. Obviously, Liverpool were going to win the league during this restart, but there was there was a, there was a real hope building that it could just they could just falter and splutter, splutter towards it. Um, th- their form hadn't been great before the lockdown, and uh, and. Uh, before tonight, there was a hope that they'd sort of stumble and and it would it would get get delayed as long as possible. But uh, unfortunately, they were they were pretty emphatic tonight. I just I like what is the point if 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 Palace if Palace aren't going to beat Liverpool, what's the point? Like 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 this 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 Palace they've they've got an amazing like home crowd. Like everyone accepts that like they've done an amazing job in in getting like an amazing atmosphere. Within the within the stadium, if they've not got that because lockdown, if Wilf Zahar isn't playing, isn't playing, if if they're not beating Liverpool, what is the point? If Kale is there, if in, he, in goal, sorry, if Wayne Hennessy is in goal, yeah, if if Kale is dead, like what's what's the point? What's the point of Palace right now? Give me an existential crisis here. <laughs> but there was built, Ruben. This was built as uh, this was built by Palace as you know. Uh, like a lot of people were focusing on Liverpool and the title, uh, and you know this being the game that would just move uh, them just one step closer to that that title that they've waited for for so long. But the Palace uh, promotional video, um, we might actually just play that there now. That's uh, they 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 had a different take on it. 
on the verge of a top half finish. It's time to renew history. Crystal Palace against another club on Wednesday night. This is a weird thing. It's like obviously the story is Liverpool are going to win the league. So every game that they're involved in is they get one step closer to winning the league. But I think and I, I wasn't that bothered about this advert, but I think loads of like Palace fans who were quite sensitive to the fact that the Sky advert was just like Liverpool, 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 Liverpool. Um, and in response to that, the, the video that Palace put out was quite funny, um, especially the voiceover. Um, but turns out it was Liverpool against another club, actually, and Sky were right. Right. And yeah, and, and the, the top half of the table, that was their, uh, you know, that's, that's still the dream. Like you've you've well, got the yeah. you've got the Bezos Cup, you've got you know scored the first <laughs> goal on Amazon Prime and and the top half of the table cup is still uh, the, still available. At the weekend we were talking about Champions League. And now with Zaha injured and having just lost what was it, four nil, five nil? I turned off after like an hour. Um we're looking at can we, like, you know, nothing. The, the dream's dead. It died in 15 minutes. It's horrible. But um, fo- focusing on Liverpool, because I don't want to talk about Palace too much because we're terrible. Um, I wanna, I'm interested, from, um, from Noz's point of view, is it any consolation that Liverpool might win the league while they're not playing a game and obviously in an empty stadium? Because it happened to Leicester, but then they still had their amazing day with um, Andrea Bocelli coming out and singing with Claudio Ranieri and things. Is it any consolation that their celebrations will be dampened or is it still just as horrible as you thought it would be? I mean, it's it's just as horrible. But, but I mean, I mean, like, the thing is, all the way through, all the way through sort of like uh, any time anytime it looked as if there was going to be like a nuclear war with uh, with uh, Kim Jong-un and, and, and Trump, there was, there was always jokes of like, oh, let it happen so we don't have to see Liverpool win the league. And and it's kind of like, in a way, in a way, the obviously the seriousness of what's going on now in the world, it kind of takes, kind of takes away from that sort of joy of like thinking, ah, you can't enjoy it because like suddenly like you kind of think, well, actually, the reason you can't enjoy it is because of this terrible thing, and it's and and it's kind of like, um, in t- in terms of Liverpool fans, it's it, it turns it into a little bit of a pity, doesn't it? It's because like. As much as as much as I'm a United fan and I've got I don't want Liverpool to be successful. Um, there's that thing of like uh, football's back and it's and everything else is shit and this is the only good thing that we can sort of like uh, use as a distraction. And Liverpool win the league and, and like then what? Like it's 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 almost exacerbated by the fact that the media, certain sections of the media, are, are almost goading. Uh, Liverpool fans to sort of uh, meet in a critical mass, so they can say, "Ah, oh, look at look at these irresponsible football fans. Look look at these look at these Liverpool fans um, spreading the virus." And even to, even tonight, like there was wasn't there some talk about they might gather outside the the stadium or something? Yeah, was yeah there was there was some footage of a few fans uh, applauding the 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 team coaches, the few coaches. When they arrived, but they weren't they weren't gathered in any uh, way that would be alarming. Um, uh, yeah, it's 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 just uh, it's it's. It not does seem like they're willing it to happen, doesn't it? Oh, completely, completely. The the desperate for it to happen, and 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 you've seen the. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like now, there is a ridiculous amount of people on beaches, and it's and it makes me angry just watching it. But there was that period of time where where sort of uh, on the news 
to sort of make make uh, um, shopping areas and streets and and beaches look more crowded. There was a long lens jiggery pokery to make it look a lot more so. And and obviously because of the way certain sections of the press perceive football fans and they've got this sneering attitude about football fans. It's uh they, they love it. Like you say, Ruben, they they they're really hoping that it can ha- it can happen. So then they can look down the noses at football fans. Um. So Liverpool will be uh, the champion. They've they've won. They've lost two games in two Premier League seasons, which is like by any measure is is an incredible uh, statistic. Um, before we leave Liverpool alone, anything else that you'd like to say in tribute to this Liverpool team? Nods haven't watched them dismantle poor old Crystal Palace tonight. Not really. Good man. What about uh, Mamadou Sacco? Nods. He's a, he's a magnificent man. He's a, he's one hell of a guy, isn't he? He is. He is Sacco, right? He's committed. Yeah. He's so committed to back to banter that he like he would rather do a drag back and try and back heel a through ball to MacArthur than just clear it in a Roy Hodgson team against the best like it's not like oh, this is the way we play and the manager says, you know, we'll we'll score more goals playing this way than we'll concede. No, this is just he's just mad. Like it's really stressful. It's really stressful to watch. <laughs> he, 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 he just plays with no pressure. Like, he just doesn't give a shit. It's like, I don't know, like, like you, can, you can imagine him sort of at a, at a coronavirus press conference, just like, I don't know, like getting his, getting his a pack of cards out and sort of doing a few tricks and sort of to, to jazz it up a little bit. Making, making jokes like Boris Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it's, it's, it's the coronavirus analogy is a bit ridiculous because, like, if we're talking about a buffoon comedian sort of like making a fool of himself in front of the nation, then we've already got it. You can see, you can see why Klopp obviously didn't want him, and I, I'm I'm sure there were like off the field issues, but there were de- there are definitely on the field issues with him not being compatible with the Klopp team. But there's something really amazing about Sacco in the way that he. He's like half incredibly clumsy and half really elegant because he looks uncomfortable, but he can actually play some amazing passes. And then sometimes he'll look like a complete fool. And sometimes he'll, you know, roulette pass to attackers and set up an amazing counter-attack. Um, and yeah, he causes, he causes my heart beat to go very high when I watch Palace games. But Is he popular amongst Crystal Palace fans, Ruben, in general? Less so now than when we first got him, I think. I think okay. now I think now everybody would prefer a Tompkins Cahill. You know, just sort of the most middle of the road, reliable, um, but not very good partnership ever. Whereas like when we got him, we were so he was replacing Damien Delaney, who I'm sure we all loved, but he was like thirty seven at the time and just was finished. Um he so he was a great, great arrival and we kind of do like him, but every time he plays it's a little bit like Oh shit! It's it's interesting because if you compare him to David Luiz, Luiz, uh, I suppose the difference is that uh, David Luiz sort of he's trying his best. He's he, he's actually trying and he's just comical and he gets things wrong. Whereas Sarko's, it's almost like he's in complete control of like his ridiculousness. He he knows what he's playing at and and he knows he's going to do a drag back flick away from from goal. And he and he and he knows he's going to hit like a half-assed casual pass to the keeper with with Mane and uh, Salah behind him, and he doesn't care. Like he's he's fully aware of his punera. 
Yeah. Before we good. leave, before we leave Palace, um, very quick, Ruben, did you happen to see Roy Hodgson before the game and his little face when he was told that uh, Jurgen Klopp? Uh, well, Jurgen Klopp had had mentioned it to him as well, but it mentioned into you that Jurgen Klopp had studied him as a younger coach. Um, his Switzerland, his his classic Switzerland team. Um, yeah, no, I did very, very pleased. Yeah, I did see that. It's amazing. It's, it's quite amazing because my so my first memory of Roy Hodgson was when he was Fulham manager, mm. I think. And so for me, he's always been just this kind of older English kind of, you know, mid-table, thrived at that kind of bottom-half level manager who was a bit lucky to get the England job. Um, but he's done well at Palace and stuff. But then obviously, like, the more I learn about um, what he's done in the past, his influence on, on football is, is quite incredible. Um, and the fact that, like, he's like the oldest manager in the league, right? And he plays... He plays quite a basic but modern also kind of style of football. And just the fact that he's like influencing managers like Klopp way back in the day is, is quite um it's quite impressive actually. And I think a lot of people have a bit of a misconception about, about Hodgson. Like he's the reason why Sven Goran Eriksson played four four two when he was England manager, because he played it in Sweden and made everybody in Sweden play that way. So yeah, long live Roy Hodgson. Um, yeah. j- j- just, just to just to sort of depress us all, um, when because because I suppose one of the one of his greatest r- sort of recent sort of ten years was at Fulham. Um, Ruben, how old were you when he took over at Fulham in two thousand and seven? Um, eleven years old. <laughs> oh. A deathly silence. <laughs> Do you remember the the when he when he mentioned um. Arrigo Saki uh, clapped it. I immediately thought of Attilio Lombardo's glorious reign as uh, at Celtic yeah. Park. He was only there for like a year, wasn't he? Yeah, but I just remember him being like extraordinarily good. And it was kind of before all the imports as well. Like that was what, mid 90s? Yeah, it was I think, 97. The year, yeah. the year you were born? Or I was, yeah, born? I was born in 96. Um, okay. Lombardo was, was he not playing manager for a short while? Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. He he's a proper cult hero at Selhurst. I've actually ordered a T-shirt with his name on it. Um, even though I never saw him play, but uh, yeah, he he was like the first jazzy foreign import that we had in the Premier League era. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, look at um. Let's move on to Stephen Ireland. Um. Now, obviously, we despaired for a while. Um. There was no football on TV, but little did we know that. There was this incredible five-a-side happening throughout the entire pandemic featuring Jolie and Lescott, Wes Brown, Darren Fletcher and Stephen Ireland. Um, and uh, it's just one of the many amazing stories in this interview with Dan- Danny Taylor in The Athletic. Um, Ireland's description of that five-a-side in his, his unique style, his unique, incredibly honest style is the standard is frighteningly high. And and the funny thing about this, uh, Nas, and I know you've you've read this interview, is just like the idea that Ireland has invited uh, Daniel Taylor along to speak to him because at 33, he is hell-bent on essentially creating his own amazing, in his own words, an amazing comeback story. And he wants to play again at the top level and he wants to play for Ireland. And and I mean, I, for one, I'm very willing for that to happen, threading, threading balls through to Longy, ping them into the uh, the back of the net. Um, or the side netting, at least. You know. <laughs> Well, that's not Manuel Neuer's experience of Shane Long, but anyway, look at um, 
Noz, uh, like it's almost like there's this. I felt like reading this was like so, someone's autobiography had been condensed into four thousand words. I was like, why are you giving this away? This is a this is an amazing book that you've just given <laughs> given up, like you know. I I felt exactly. It's funny. It's funny you say that because I felt exactly the same way. Is and I think even Daniel Taylor sort of like a couple of times in the article says like why isn't he doing this why isn't he doing this as a book <laughs> I, I i i reckon what it was is steve island thought that he was he was a uh, transcribe like daniel taylor was transcribing a book but like it was just an article because <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's it's incredible it's it, it's an, it's a really incredible sort of uh article for the athletic and, and it's i, I suppose i suppose the, the the thing you looking at it in the whole it sort of sums Stephen Island up really well because, like, he he is a he is a he's a dichotomy of like both comedy and tragedy. Like he combine he combines those two things uh, on a regular basis. Like this, this there's so much of him that that's outlandish and hilarious and like ha 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 Stephen Island. But then you you just uh, scrape the surface a little bit and there's and there's like there's like lost hope. There's tragedy. There's um. There's lost potential. There's, there's there's almost like a a tiny bit of a David Brent thing where like there's one or two moments where you mm. think people are just have just been polite to him and he's taking it on a level and he's really hanging hanging on to these th- kind things that people have said to him about making a comeback and things and it's he's 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 a really fascinating character. The like the extraordinary thing about Ireland that it's it's captured here so perfectly is that there is he has like this amazing like he has this amazing creative brain which was was evident at his best when he played football and when he was doing well going well at Manchester City and he's able to sort of he's able to articulate what what is going on in his brain at any at any time and so he's he's it, it there there are lots of aspects of him you go this guy like there's there's so many as Nas says there's so many uh, appealing and fascinating aspects to his personality and kind of an intelligence to him and all these things. Yet it seems to be like, there is no, like, of course, Stephen, like, why are you reading that interview? Like, do you really think when you're reading this interview that at the end of the story, it's going to be, well, that's me done. I'm 33. And, uh, you know, I've obviously don't have the legs to play top level football anymore. Like after everything you read in that interview, do you think that's going to be the conclusion that Stephen Ireland is going to come to, you know, like we played against Barcelona in pre-season and I was the best player on the pit by a country mile. Messi was playing. He went on one of his mad runs and I just thought I have to tackle him. I did this massive hook tackle on him. It was an amazing tackle. Uh, Like that is, you know, that is uh, like, you know, if that is kind of the formulation of words that like Donald Trump would use, you know, that is that level of, uh, you know, there was a million people on at my inauguration parade. Like this is, there is that level of kind of insecurity, really. Like that, you know, when when you have somebody who kind of keeps pushing it forward, how great they always were. There is an there is an insecurity there. Um, but the idea then that, like, of course, he is going to say uh, that you know he can still come back because he's playing in this amazing five aside, and Bruno Fernandez had a poster on the of of him on his wall. And always signed him. Uh, always signed him. <laughs> I'm football manager. Football yeah. manager. Um, and uh, and you know you like I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. And there's part of me like 
please, like just saying, please, please don't let that be something that Bruno Fernandez just said. Just to make you know even Ireland feel good, but like there's always been this like Ireland is there's always been this amazing contradiction. I remember the day Ireland signed for Aston Villa, and uh, he did a press conference at the Aston Villa training ground, and it was you know there was a lot more people there, and it was shorter, but it was a kind of a potted version of of his ability just to talk and like to talk in the most convincing way and to tell you. Like to to sit down and everyone in the room to believe and for him to believe that what he was saying was, uh, you know, on like, like just the truth and it would be the truth and like everything was true in the past and now this was him setting things right and going going forward in a certain direction and he on that day he was sitting there and he was talking about you know what had happened at Manchester City and how a lot of the players were probably going about things the wrong way and he was appalled that you know young players at Manchester City were spending like 10 grand on watches and stuff like this and everyone's going yeah god that is that is you know terrible that you know the players are losing their way and as he was saying this I just uh I just was standing by the window and you could look out uh from the window of the press room you could see the car park um at the Aston Villa training ground and as he was talking about the players and buying their 10 grand watches. Uh, his girlfriend had driven into the uh, training ground and was driving uh, his two-tone Bentley up to the reception to pull it right up to the front door to wait for him to pick him up as soon as he was done in the press conference. And now I don't have any problem with Stephen Ireland having a two-tone Bentley. I don't have any problem with Manchester City players, whatever age they were, spending their money on watches. I think it's all fine. But at that moment, you were like, okay, there is... There is, it's a kind of there's there are an awful lot of contradictions in the uh, in the in the world of Stephen Ireland, and that again is absolutely fine. But they've never he's never really been able to join them up in a way that is truly um, that truly kind of gives you a sense that he understands what he was what he was doing or what like you know rather than I think you know, there's some sad there's some resonance there's some really sad things in it there's, you know and the idea mm. of how like you know, the uh, the bullying that you would, you know, young players have to endure uh, or had to endure, like that kind of stuff, which is awful. But it's, it is just this, uh, this guy who always, every day seems to wake up and like, you know, is just has this amazing, and I hope he never loses this amazing capacity to just dream it all <laughs> up again. I think, I think it's interesting what you said, Dion, about his um, apparent insecurity, because that is surely what it is with him, this innate desire to keep on reminding everybody how great he was. It, the Athletic interviewed him back in September as well, and he was talking about how difficult his early years were at City. Like, I think he said he was feeding two kids at the age of 19 on like £85 a week and and things like that. And so he, and then when he was playing well for City, I think him and Robinho had this brilliantly weird relationship on the pitch. Um, and then Mancini came in and kind of ostracised him. So when that when City became, you know, Manchester City Mark II, Abu Dhabi FC, and he suddenly wasn't involved, I think that probably clearly annoys him because he feels like he had a great thing taken away and wasn't given the chance to. And now he wants a chance to, well, prove himself. I don't think he, he can prove himself at the top level again. But it it's definitely more complicated, isn't it? It's not just um, 
it's not just like arrogance or anything. It's like a really um, no, it is. It's not. It's not. Yeah. It's not. And that's why it's endearing <clears throat> too that it isn't. It isn't some guy just uh, um, you know vainly uh, boasting. And there is enough mm. truth in it because you're like, okay, like just about there is enough truth because there were moments when when he was an incredibly promising player, an incredibly influential player, uh, and. Uh, you know, it's so there is some truth in it, but again, it, it is, it is, it is undercut and undermined by that level of kind of uh, like self-deception and self, mm-hmm. not so, you know, and just um, real inability to kind of be truthful about it. And like you know, he's looking even at that old, that athletic interview from September where he said, you know, I could easily play at a really high level in England, really high. I know I can. And maybe it, it's coming there because, you know, now it's like, you know, he wants to get back at League One or I feel if I went to League One or the Championships, I can really give it a good go. Uh, and, like, I hope he does. Like, this isn't, mm. like, <clears throat> there was a, for a long time, every time Stephen Ireland moved club, he said, I hope, I hope this is going to be, this is when it's going to happen for him. Um, but but it didn't and uh but it's it's an incredible interview yeah um and i think the thing to 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 talk about the endearing nature of it like there's a naivety and innocence and i think daniel taylor calls it out as well some i think he mentions at some stage at point it's it's childlike and it's the naivety that makes him endearing but also it kind of i read this and i was like Everybody knows a Stephen Ireland, somebody that is a dreamer and like says things like, you know, when he talks about, not everybody has this experience, but when he talks about um, the Manchester United guys saying every time we played City, Alex Ferguson would only ever talk about you. And like, you know, you can take that at face value and, you know, of course, you, you, sh- you know, this is what he says, so we will. But you know that guy that, that talks like that and, and and I suppose that people kind of like, Sometimes might roll their eyes or might, but you still is you know there is someone that you can kind of connect with as well. It's a bit. It's kind of similar to that mentality of you know you know that kid from school who had trials at West Ham, but he yeah. you know did his knee. But this guy actually did make it, but never he escaped did. that mentality. Almost he did, and he was he was sensationally good. Like and everybody remembers mm-hmm. that first season when it was him and Robinho, and he was uh, in oh eight oh nine. He was the the player of the year, but, uh, but, but, the Man City's player of the year. But but this this is why he's such a contradiction and a fascinating contradiction because like on the one hand like you say he he's 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 uh he's very in some ways he's very humble like like it's quite sweet the way that he's so surprised that anyone would have heard of him like when he's a professional footballer and 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 even like um the whole situation about his 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 sort of like um the whole island thing with his with his with the whole grandmother thing and which actually ended up having a very sort of tragic sort of uh, True story behind it. Um, he 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 says in this interview he was he was shocked that it was such a big. He he regrets it, but he was shocked it was such a big deal because he was shocked that that many people would be interested in him. And it's like you're a professional footballer and you're playing for Ireland. Of course, there will be. Uh, but like, so, and and in, in its own way, that's endearing. But um, yeah, there's so many contradictions, and it's like Ruben says, it, it's like the guy who sort of you kind of know at work or or you know at school or whatever. And you you sort of just say you randomly say, oh, we should hang out someday or come round someday. And and like the the next day, he's he turns up on your doorstep. Said, oh, you, you said we were going to hang out. I'm here now. 
Uh, but like it's even even like but all the way through, he's he's like damning himself with faint praise. Like the reason why he thinks he can make it again as a professional footballer at highest level is because he plays five aside with these uh th- these people. He 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 talks about how he's flattered that uh that that Bruno Fernandez signs him on football manager. He's he's bragging about being man of the match against Barcelona, but in a preseason friendly like. This this every every step is like tragicomic, but again, like the, the thing is, like and 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 in fairness, I don't think any of us are mocking him, but like the the the, the, the thing is, he's he's a fascinating figure and everything. But at the end of the day, if 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 somebody if if somebody has an opinion of themselves and they are happy with that opinion, then fair fuck. Do you know what I mean like not like? Anyone, anyone who sort of like uh, lampoons him and just thinks he's an absolute com- like uh, cartoon character, it's all like, well, what the fuck have you done? Like this guy has done a certain amount of things, and he believes in himself, and he's not given up on life because it's his fucking life. He he doesn't want to be an asterisk. He doesn't want to be something at the end of a Wikipedia page. He 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 still believes he can be something, and and like good luck to him. The part like where Ireland is from, uh, like. Again, this is more aimed at you know we obviously go out in the UK and in Ireland on football spin, but like Cork, you know Roy Keane, where Roy Keane's from. But there is that disposition and seen as a Cork disposition where they mix a superiority complex and an inferiority complex. Like that is like that is seen as like you know Cork is often the second capital, which they call it themselves, and kind of it's a sort of a mocking thing, but also they believe it to be true as well. Like a lot of the time um that cork people have a chip on either shoulder that keeps them balanced you know all these kind of things like that like it it's a very unique sensibility and i when you read stephen ireland speaking you can you can see that coming through um which makes it like a really brilliant read and as i say we've we've mentioned some bits of it but um there's lots more of it in the athletic in that brilliant interview with daniel taylor um we should move on now one of the most interesting uh parts of the fact that there are no fans at grounds is this uh, idea that was pioneered in the Bundesliga by Hoffenheim, was it, or Munchenland? Sadback. Okay, yeah. And the idea being a brilliant idea that if you want to be at the game, you can have your image at the game, cardboard cutout. You pay a certain amount, uh, support the club, be in the stadiums. F- uh, stadiums are full of fans, which in theory is brilliant, but obviously, you know as we've seen, is wide open to abuse. Um, and Leeds United this evening have come out and said that they've had to uh, remove a photograph of Osama bin Laden as brilliant from a seat at Elland Road. And they've also said they will ensure there are no more offensive images. Um, Naz, uh, have they done the right thing here? <laughs> no. They're absolutely, they're absolutely not. I, what I want... Is, is is I want a free for all. I want it like I want it to be like a WWE sort of like cage fight. I want I want I want Dharma. I want Bundy. I want John Wayne Gacy. I want Ed Gein. I want Fred and Rose West. I want I want Dennis Nielsen. I want them all. I want all the lads together. It would. I mean I mean if if you're gonna do that kind of thing, like just go for it. Twenty five quid a serial killer. I think that's a decent price. I don't understand how the cardboard cutout made it to that point of like some person uh, like a person looking at it and putting it down by the seat and then suddenly later somebody realizing hmm, that's maybe a bad idea like either do it or don't but i, I don't understand how they th- they thought it would be fine until that moment and then have and then had to make a really 
embarrassing apology and you know take it down so oh sorry for putting a picture of Osama bin Laden in the crowd just 20 peak 2020 it's good that it, it's uh <laughs> like the picture is amazing because you know you couldn't um you couldn't not recognize it as Osama bin Laden like you know it's just uh you know there's various people in Leeds jerseys and then uh Osama bin Laden uh, although in the row behind somebody who looks like Alex Ferguson uh, which you'd think they'd want to take out as well. Yeah, to Leeds fans, that'd be more offensive. Yeah, it would be. And yeah, I wonder if it's because he was, you know, Sam Milan was, of course, an Arsenal fan. And, you know, so it may be that they just didn't want this idea of, you know, you can't support, like David Meller switching from, you know, Fulham to Chelsea. They didn't like the idea that. Bin Laden. No, he's he's Arsenal. You can't have him here. Uh, but um, but no, it's uh, no. I agree with Nas. Like just just more of this. So in in, in like if if we're talking about Osama Bin Laden and we're talking about Ar- like he famously supported Arsenal, um, can Crystal Palace uh, compete with that in terms of famous fans? Is it, like who's who's famous who supports uh, Palace? We can actually Nigel Farage. Oh, really? Uh, wow. Apparently, well, apparently, I don't think he's ever been to a football match in his life, but. Um, he claims or has claimed to have supported Palace. Um, mm. But we also have Eddie Izzard and Susanna Reid. So it balances out somewhat. But are they? Are any of them actually proper fans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Susanna Reid is is big, big Palace fan. And Eddie Izzard ran, you know, when he ran all of those marathons for charity? Yeah. He did a lap of Selhurst Park in high heels and a Palace shirt before a game once. Wow. Which is class. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm in the same in the same way that Paddy was willing to put his neck on the line and say that that, that Liverpool were going to win the league. I will put my neck on the line and say Eddie Izzard beats Osama bin Laden. Better guy. <laughs> He's a better guy in my opinion. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, who's Manchester United's most famous fan? Naz. Eamon Holmes. There you go. <laughs> I was. I, I didn't want to go there, but yeah, Eamon Holmes. Um, Zoe Ball. Mick Hucknall. Storms is a United fan, very disappointingly yes. for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Him, him and Dave from yes. Croydon, Streatham, respectively, supporting in United. Is it? Is it? Is it some kind? Is it? Is it like a critical mass of United fans around there? Yeah, loads. I mean, to be fair, most most people uh, my age and above in London uh, probably support Arsenal because they they bought into the Ian Wright, Thierry Henry era, and then have had their lives ruined ever since but um there are a lot of you know my dad supports united like until i went to Selhurst park i kind of did as well wow. but, um thankfully so is football not territorial in london only to an I extent guess. only okay. to an extent like all the pubs around Selhurst are palace pubs but then the kind of further in you go um and the fewer stadiums there are it just gets more mixed like you know you meet you meet chelsea fans in north london and Arsenal fans in South London, which is where they started, yeah. of course. Yeah, football is pretty territorial in London still. Like, you know, I know there's a mix, but like if you're in West London, it's going to be Chelsea, Fulham. Mm. In the in the area, very close to the, yeah. to the clubs. Yeah, definitely. But then, obviously, people move all over. Okay. All right. Um, look, it's been a pleasure. Um, Ruben, uh, great to have you on from the very start as well. Uh, Thank you very much. Which, uh, is, a, is a new departure, as we all... Gang in together at the top, and Dion and Nas. Well, you know, 
Yeah, whatever, buddy. Yeah, whatever. yeah exactly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so I'm, ju- thanks- I, I, I'm just waiting for Ruben to say that he had a poster of Dion when he was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> fishing for it, you know, I was just leaving it out there, you know. But no, but okay. still, still silence, still. <laughs> yeah. Give him every chance, Dion. Give him every chance. <laughs> he really did. I really did. <laughs> right. Um, we'll take a night on that note. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, we'll be back again tomorrow evening. <laughs> I have to think, guys. What day of the week is it? Is it is Wednesday? We'll be back tomorrow evening. Um, at which point, Liverpool could well be champions if Manchester City aren't able to um to do the business. Um, so we'll see you then. If you haven't already done so, click subscribe wherever you're listening to get this show directly into your feed. Good night. I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation tomorrow, bro. It's people's lives are at risk. Oli Gunnar, where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. We'll take that as a yes, then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, I have a bad shave.